For our text this morning, we'll take just one verse from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. The writer of Ecclesiastes speaks about many things. Many attribute that book to King Solomon, who was considered to be the wisest man that ever lived. He spoke about a lot of different things in that book. He spoke about times and seasons, envy, idleness, covetousness, patience, providence, wickedness, prosperity. But he said at the end of it all, or at the conclusion of it all, he says, fear God and keep his commandments. A conclusion is the end part of something or in closing. And this is the whole duty of man. Just two things, fear God and keep his commandments. With the Lord's help this morning, we'll consider the fear of the Lord. You know, fear is often thought of as a negative emotion. Nobody likes to be afraid or fearful. But there are really two types of fear. There is a destructive type of fear, and there is a productive type of fear. Of course, the enemy would like to use that destructive type of fear on people. I saw a great acronym for the word fear. False evidence appearing real. That's a pretty good description of fear. The Bible even says the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Sometimes fear can be based on our imaginations. But you know, fear, whether it is something real or imagined, is still a real emotion, something everybody deals with. Many of you will remember in, I think it was in 2004, there was a horrific tsunami that hit the country of Indonesia and it was really quite devastating. I think over a quarter of a million people lost their lives. And for the next few weeks, I remembered it was uh, on every news page and the headlines of every news story. And many people were talking about this horrible, tragic event. And at that time, my oldest daughter, Diana, was about four years of age. And it was right around that same time. And one night she became very fearful and I believe that I talked to her and she, she was worried about a tsunami hitting where we were living at the time. Well, we were living in the Central Valley in California. We were experiencing drought conditions during that time. Of course, now it's a different story. They've been having flooding, but you know, I tried to reassure her. We were hundreds of miles away from the nearest ocean and that the probability of that happening was... Um, very, very, very remote. And I think I was able to help comfort her and dispel her fears. But uh, fear is a very real emotion. We all experience fear. Well, this type of fear the enemy would like to use, this destructive type of fear, we know it can discourage and destabilize and even incapacitate people sometimes. You know, the Word of God gives us some different types of fear to look out for. It speaks about the fear of man. 
Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare. You know, the fear of man makes people compromise on what they believe. You know, it causes men and women to look to others in public opinion to know what to think about something rather than what God's Word says. The fear of man brings a snare. And we read throughout Scripture of different examples of this type of fear. In Numbers 14, verse 9, it tells us this, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, and fear ye not the people of the land, for they are bred for us, for their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Of course, these were the instructions given to the children of Israel as they went to spy out the land and they saw these giants and they became fearful of these men that they actually saw there in the land. And even though God had promised them this land as an inheritance and commanded them, go in and possess the land because of the fear of what they saw, the fear of other men, it cheated them from their inheritance, from receiving what God had for them. We know that out of that entire generation, only two men, Joshua and Caleb, went in some 40 years later. But we see how the fear of man can keep us actually from the fear of God. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43 says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more and the praise of God. Speaking about many in Jesus' day, many religious leaders, they heard Christ, they saw Christ, they saw the miracles He did, and in their hearts they believed that He in fact was the Messiah, but because of the fear of what others would think, the fear that they might be put out of the synagogue, they denied Christ. They apparently believed in their hearts, but they failed to confess with their mouths. Well, that's what the fear of man will do. It'll keep us from speaking up and sharing our testimony. Romans 10 verse 9 says, If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, then shalt thou be saved. So we see we must believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths. But unfortunately, the fear of man keeps many from doing this. We know there's also a guilty type of fear. Well, that can be a positive or a negative emotion. Certainly, when a person is under Holy Ghost conviction, they feel a guilty type of fear. That's a good fear to have, and that comes from the Lord. But sadly, too many push aside or try to um, stifle that or push it aside and ignore it. Well, eventually it will go away and leave them in a far worse condition. But to ignore conviction, we know, is destructive. That's one type of guilty fear. Isaiah 66, verse 4 says, I also will choose their delusion and will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear, but they did evil before mine eyes and chose that in which I delighted not. 
So here we have an example, God speaking. He sent conviction. He called to them. He called after them and they ignored him. They ignored his name. So he gave them over to a delusion and gave them up to other fears. It's dangerous to ignore conviction. Of course, we have the account of of Governor Felix in Acts when Paul appeared before him and he preached the things concerning Christ. It says that as Felix considered righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, he trembled. So again, we see this fear. It was the Holy Spirit dealing with his heart and his soul. You know, he could have yielded to that fear. He could have uh, repented. It would have been much better for him, but he suppressed that and he pushed it aside. And we don't ever read about another time when he had an opportunity to pray or to seek the Lord. So we understand that type of fear, that guilty fear, if it's coming from the Lord, can be a very positive thing. However, discouragement is different than condemnation. We need to recognize the difference. The Lord sends conviction. The Lord sends condemnation when a person is sinning, not doing the right thing. Satan sends discouragement. Sometimes the devil would like to try to make us feel guilty about things we didn't even do. Satan will come along. He'll plant a thought in your mind. And right away, he'll accuse you and say, you're not saved or you wouldn't have even thought that. We know that temptation came from Satan. So it's important to recognize the difference. That kind of fear comes from the enemy. We want to learn to resist that kind of fear. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if that discouraging kind of fear grips you and Satan tries to convince you or try to tell you you've done something you haven't done, resist the devil. I've shared this story before about Brother Alan Crabtree as he was praying out there by that stump of wood and he got a hold of the Lord and he knew the Lord had saved him. And as he was heading back to the army base, the old devil came along, so he didn't get anything. And Brother Alan said, oh, yes, I did. Oh, just a minute later, Satan said, well, you'll never keep it. So Brother Allen said, well, so you meant I got it. So he realized that that discouragement, that fear was not coming from the Lord. It was coming from the enemy. You know, there is one type of fear that will always bring positive results. It will always be productive. Of course, the Word of God tells us about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a different kind of a fear. It's a good fear. It's one that we would all hope to possess You know, the fear of the Lord leads us to love Him more and it creates a desire in our hearts to actually draw closer to Him rather than to pull away from Him. Fear, as it's referenced here, is a reverence or an awe or a respect for God and for the things of God. Even that can be a bit confusing sometimes. You know, I have a certain amount of reverence and respect for grizzly bears and rattlesnakes, but I don't want to get close to either one of them. That's not the kind of fear the Word of the Lord is talking about. Certainly we recognize God's power and His righteousness, but we also recognize His love and His mercy and His grace, and it's that kind of fear that actually compels us to want to draw close to the Lord. We want to reverence and respect Him and have that desire to please and obey the Lord. This is a good thing. 
The fear of the Lord brings God's blessings in your life. Proverbs 14:26 tells us the fear of the Lord is a place of strong confidence and refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord brings God's blessings. Luke 1:50 says his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. So the fear of the Lord will bring God's mercy in our lives. Psalm 31:19 says that the goodness of God is laid up to those who fear him. You know, our protection and deliverance is connected to our fear of the Lord. Psalm 34, 7 tells us that the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. So we can see what a good thing the fear of the Lord is. But most important of all, we know the word of God tells us that the fear of the Lord leads to repentance and salvation and victorious living. Proverbs 16.6 says, By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. No wonder the word of the Lord says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, the fear of God acts as a great motivator. Hebrews 11 verse 7 tells us this, By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. says that Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. Genesis 6 tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, grace or favor. Why did he find grace in God's eyes? Because he feared the Lord. He had a fear of the Lord. You think about the conditions that Noah lived under. tells us that before the flood, the wickedness of man was great. The imaginations and the thoughts of man were only evil continually. He even said it was so bad that it repented God that he ever made man in the first place. Pretty awful time. But when God told Noah what his plan was and what he was going to do, and how Noah and his family could escape. It says Noah moved with fear. The fear of the Lord trumped every other fear that Noah may have had to face. You know, Noah could have faced the fear of failure. So many times the enemy will come along and say, you're never going to make it. You can't do this. Well, you think about the task that Noah was given by the Lord to do. He told Noah to build something that had never been built before. He told him to prepare for an event that the world had never seen up to that point. He said he was going to send a flood. Apparently, according to the Scriptures, many believe that they never even seen rainfall up to that point. It said that the earth was watered by a mist that rose up out of the ground. So all of this was brand new. things that Noah had never even seen. There's no need for an ark or a ship. You think about the size of the task. The ship was 450 feet long, 75 feet high, and 45 feet wide. Many say it was the equivalent of 522 railroad livestock cars. This was a big, big boat built in the middle of apparently a desert that had never seen rainfall. You know, Noah didn't have the help of experienced shipbuilders. He didn't have engineers and all these people to help him with this task. 
There was no previous person with any experience or knowledge. There were no engineers to help him with the design of this ship. He got all of his instructions directly from God himself. But Noah moved with fear. Someone said the ark was built by an amateur in obedience to God. The Titanic was built by professionals in defiance of God. Well, we know what the results were. The fear of the Lord overshadowed any fear of failure that Noah may have faced. Of course, Noah, no doubt, probably had to deal with the fear of reproach. It says he found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord, but certainly not in the eyes of his fellow uh, mankind during that time. Again, you consider the type of people that Noah had to live among. They were wicked. Their hearts were evil. Their imaginations were full of violence. It says that they had corrupted themselves. They would have had no regard for the Lord or His commandments. They would have had no regard for any of the warnings that God was trying to give. But in spite of all that, Noah moved with fear. You know, the reproach of God was far more terrifying to Noah than the reproach of man. So Noah moved with fear. You know, Noah could have, no doubt, maybe uh, faced financial hardships. You know, no one knows how much it cost to build that ark. No one paid Noah to build the ark. He had a family that he was certainly had to provide for. said, among other things, he was a preacher of righteousness. I don't think anyone was paying him to build that ark. You know, have you ever wondered, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, about what it would have cost to build that ark? Well, a few years ago, they built a replica of that ark. It's called the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. And I found a dollar figure. It cost about $100 million to build a model of this original ark. And that was the help with the help of modern technology and engineers and many generous grants by others. Noah had none of those things. Noah built that ark by faith. Noah built that ark because he moved with fear. You know, it may have cost him everything he had to build that ark. By the time that last peg was driven into that ark, Noah might not have had a penny to his name. He might have tied up all of his energy and his resources and even his finances into building that ark. Someone said, you know, they may have entered that ark as paupers, but when they emerged, they'd inherited the entire world. They entered as the minority, but they came out in the majority. It pays to fear the Lord. Noah moved with fear. It says that he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. You know, it was because of Noah's godly, consistent, holy life. It was because he exemplified the fear of the Lord in the front of his family that when the day came for them to enter into that ark, he didn't have to beg them to enter in. He didn't have to force them in. They learned the fear of the Lord by watching Noah and his life and his example. You know, somebody said, if your religion and your testimony doesn't work at home, it doesn't work anywhere else. God help us. I hope my own children... Fear the Lord because of uh, the example that Rosie and I have tried to set, and it's a huge responsibility, but it's a good thing 
to fear the Lord. Noah, by moving with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of himself and his family. It says he was warned by God of things not seen as yet. Well, you know, we have a lot in common with Noah. We are warned of judgment to come, of things that we haven't yet seen. It tells us, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The end is very close. We know as we read the description of things during Noah's time that I even mentioned, uh, we see that every day. Every day we're bombarded with wickedness and evil all around us. Uh, We're in a time just like Noah lived in. And we know the Word of God tells us judgment is coming. Well, what can we do about that? Well, like Noah, by faith, we can move with fear. We can prepare for the day of the Lord and His judgment. You know, uh, Noah's ark, many believe, represented a type of Christ. There was only one means of escape for Noah and his family, and that was to get into the ark. Well, we know there's only one means of escape for us, and that is Jesus Christ. Judgment is coming, but there is a way we can escape the wrath of God. You know, Noah and his family had to get inside that ark. We must be in Christ in order to be ready for that judgment. There was only one door to that ark. There's only one door or only one way to be in Christ, and that is through the door of repentance. Only one way to get in that ark. Jesus himself said, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We know when Noah and his family were safe in that ark, God shut the door, and no man could open it. One day, God's door of mercy and grace is going to be shut. But thank the Lord that door is still open today. The Lord is extending an opportunity to get inside that ark. Again, we do that through repentance, through obedience to the Lord by learning the fear of the Lord. It says today is the day. Now is the accepted time. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. You can find a place of peace and safety and strong confidence and refuge inside that ark. You know, I think one of the greatest fears, actually the greatest fear, the worst terror that anybody could imagine would be to one day step out into a lost eternity. You know, sadly, tragically, people are stepping out into a lost eternity every day. One second after they take their last breath and the realization that there's no chance must be a horrific, horrible indescribable feeling of dread and fear and terror or to be here when that trumpet sounds and Jesus comes and raptures away his bride and takes his uh, bride out of this old world for those that are left behind I can't even imagine the terror and the horror that they're going to feel in that moment realizing they waited too late You know, in that day, the earth's going to be flooded once again, but not with water. We know the Word of God tells us Jesus will never destroy the earth with a flood of water. But we know when the saints of God are taken out, that restrainer is removed, the Spirit of the Lord is removed, hell's going to break loose on this old earth. 
At the same time, God will be pouring out his wrath and his judgment upon the godless and the unrepentant. What an awful, awful time. None of us want to be here. You know, if that thought fills you with dread or fear, that's a good thing. But, you know, you can replace that fear with another kind of fear. You can fight fear with fear. You see, the fear of the Lord dispels every other fear that there is. Someone said, when you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear the Lord. Meaning if you learn that reverence and that respect and you uh, surrender your life to the Lord and you learn the fear of the Lord, you don't have to worry about that coming judgment. Well, judgment is coming. But thank God, there's a remedy. We don't have to be here. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. The fear of man, it tells us, brings a snare. But the fear of the Lord says to those that put their trust in the Lord, they're safe. Do you want God's blessing in your life? Do you want God's mercy? Do you want his peace? Do you want God's divine protection? You know, you can find that in the fear of the Lord. You can be under his grace and mercy, mercy, or you can remain under his anger and his wrath. But you have a choice. You can be under God's mercy and grace. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Lord extends an invitation even today. If you're not right with the Lord or if thoughts about eternity disturb you or maybe you're not sure where you stand with the Lord, the fear of the Lord can take care of all of that. Today, God can give you peace. You have an opportunity to pray. Thank God for that. The altars are open. Let's sing 613 and let's come and seek the Lord today.